The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. David Vendrunen. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474 going to be speaking this morning from Mark chapter 10. I'm actually going to be speaking about uh, five distinct stories in a row, but don't worry. I'll try to get you out of here on time. Let me say that I wouldn't ordinarily recommend that you preach five distinct stories in, in one sermon. So I want you to understand that I'm not, I'm not trying to model a typical Uh, Sunday sermon for you here. Um, I did, uh, over uh, in recent times, I have preached these individual texts uh, at a number of uh, churches, and I I, I think that there are some of you here who uh, probably heard one or two of these because I preached them in your churches, Uh, but I hope that's okay. I'm going to preach on the big picture of these texts. There is uh, some, I think, some unified themes that, uh, that run through them. And so I want to, in a sense, comment briefly on these, uh, these continuous stories, uh, these uh, series of stories, and to, uh, to point out how they hold together. Uh, so th- this is Mark 10, verses 13 through 52. I'm not going to read the text. I will be commenting on these texts uh, as we go. The first of these stories is this little uh, story about the people who bring their children uh, to the Lord Jesus. And the disciples rebuke them, and Jesus uh, is angry with his disciples and welcomes the children and blesses them. And Reformed uh, Christians have often uh, seen this as uh, uh, important for our understanding of uh, uh, covenant children and their place among us. And I think it is relevant for that. But I would point out that uh, the, the main point of this little story, verses 13 through 16 in Mark 10, uh, is Jesus' statement that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And that is, I believe, an important theme that works its way through the rest of this chapter and what I really want to focus upon this morning When we read that, of course, we wonder, what does it mean to receive the kingdom as a child? Because this is obviously very important. And we know that it can't mean that children are innocent, and so we ought to be innocent like children, uh, because the doctrine of original sin rules that out. We may wonder if there are perhaps some, uh, some virtues that all children have that we are supposed to have that perhaps is what Jesus is talking about. Uh, when we remember that in uh, the Gospel of Luke, in the parallel te- text, uh, Luke uses the term brephe, you know, probably referring that there are even really little children, little babies that are being brought to Jesus here. Uh, it makes it pretty implausible that Jesus is thinking here of certain baby virtues that we as adults also need to have if we are to enter the kingdom. Surely what Jesus is suggesting here is that just as these children were brought to Jesus, they didn't come on their own initiative. It wasn't their own idea. It wasn't even their own power that they came to Jesus. 
Uh, They were brought to Jesus as those who had nothing, who had nothing to offer Jesus. They they weren't bringing all of their wonderful skills and uh, ideas and resources to Jesus. They were brought as those who had nothing. And that is true of every single one of us, no matter how old we are. There is no way into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ except as children, as those who have nothing, as those who are brought. And were brought, of course, by the grace and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would point you uh, for a moment ahead to the, 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 the short text that is right in the middle of the stories that we're considering In verses 32 through 34, Jesus tells his disciples that they're going to Jerusalem and that when they go to Jerusalem, he's going to be handed over, he's going to be beaten and flogged, he's going to be crucified, he's going to die. Jesus had to come and do this for us and for our salvation. Presumably, if we could come into the kingdom in some other way, other than as children, if there's something we could bring of our own, then Jesus would not have had to undergo such a horrible uh, experience, this horrible betrayal and death for our sakes. But because we had nothing to bring, nothing we could bring into Jesus' kingdom that could somehow win our place in it, Jesus needed to come and die. And so we must receive the kingdom as children. And then we come to the next story in Mark 10, Uh, Verses 17 through 31, following immediately after the story of the little children. This is the famous story of this rich man who comes to Jesus and wants to know what he must do to inherit eternal life. And of course, this story raises a lot of interesting questions, hard questions like, you know, why does Jesus, when he's asked about how to, you know, how do you inherit eternal life? And he answers them by, you know, with the law which is exactly the opposite of what we would do if someone asked us this question. And then there's the difficult answer that when Jesus says, you need to sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come follow me. And of course, that raises a lot of questions about what Jesus is is doing, uh, what that might mean for us. But I just want to focus for a moment here upon the, the idea that To understand Jesus' response to this rich man, we need to understand that the rich man did not understand that the only way into the kingdom is as a little child. And Jesus is dealing with him and responding to him in a way that indicates uh, a correction and uh, dealing with this basic misunderstanding on the part of this rich young man. You think about it, for one thing, this rich man thinks that there's something he can do to inherit the kingdom. That's, that's what he asks. Jesus has just said you must, the only way into the kingdom is as a child, is being brought. And the rich man comes up to Jesus and wants to know what he must do in order to inherit life, which is the same way as, the same thing as uh, asking about how to enter the kingdom. And not only that, but this rich man thinks that Apparently, once he's in the kingdom, that he can keep what is his. He can keep these things uh, for himself. And it challenges us to think about what are the implications of entering the kingdom as a child. If we enter the kingdom only as a child, as those who are brought, then surely we recognize that ultimately there's nothing we can do 
to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit life. But we also realize that if we enter the kingdom as a little child, then surely everything we have is at the disposal of the Lord Jesus. If we come as little children, that means we come with empty hands. We come naked. We come with nothing into Jesus' presence. And if that's the case, anything Jesus may give us, any talents, skills, any time or energy, material resources, anything we have must surely be at the disposal of Christ. Not for us to keep for ourselves, to use as we will, but all that we have belongs to the Lord and needs to be put in his service. We don't necessarily have to give away all we have to the poor. It's actually much deeper, and the commitment is much more than that. Everything we have, even our very lives, are at Jesus' disposal. Surely that's the case if we enter the kingdom as a child. And then we come to the story following that little, that interlude in which Jesus uh, prophesies his death. We come to the story in verses 35 through 45, uh, when James and John, two of Jesus' own disciples, come to him privately, and they ask Jesus to grant him these two great places at his right hand and left hand in glory. Here again, Jesus has taught, you must enter the kingdom as a little child. And James and John come to Jesus and are seeking positions of power. They want to be able to lord it over others. And it wasn't just James and John who wanted this. Because later in the story, the other disciples hear about it and they're angry at James and John. And of course, if they didn't care about having those places in glory, they wouldn't be angry at James and John because they tried to get in front of them in line. This was a problem that all the disciples had. And again, much to say about this text, but as we think about Jesus teaching that we can only enter the kingdom as a child, then who are we to seek places in the kingdom in which we may lord it over our brothers and sisters? If I have entered the kingdom as a child, who am I to lord it over someone else? We have all entered the kingdom in exactly the same way. We have all entered the kingdom with nothing in complete dependence, with empty hands. Who is any of us to seek to lord it over others? And in fact, this, this particular story ends with those very familiar and profound words. Uh, verse 45, Jesus says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, which we may be tempted to think is a very humble title. You know, Son of God seems like exalted title. Son of Man seems like he's just making himself like one of us. But in fact, the title Son of Man, if we see it in Daniel chapter 7, it is a very exalted title. It is the title of Jesus as he enters the presence of the Ancient of Days and it is declared there in Daniel 7 that to the Son of Man belongs all dominion, that all nations will serve him. 
That's why Jesus says, even the Son of Man. I mean, if anyone deserves to be served, if anyone is destined to be served for ages everlasting, it's the Son of Man. But even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom, the language even of the slave market. So if the Son of Man, who, to whom all service belongs... He came and made himself a servant to, well, to slaves, right? If you needed to be ransomed, then that means you're nothing better than a slave. Jesus, the Son of Man, made himself a servant to slaves. Jesus served you when you were nothing better than a slave. And if that's the case, if that's how we have entered the kingdom as a little child, ransomed by the Son of Man then who are we to be anything other than servants ourselves? Who are we to lord it over others? And then we come to the last of these stories, the story of Jesus' healing of blind Bartimaeus in verses 46 through 52. As I presented it thus far, we have this great statement of how we enter the kingdom as a little child in verses 13 through 16. And then we have these two stories that we might say, tell us how not to enter the kingdom. You don't enter the kingdom as a rich man. You don't enter the kingdom as the powerful. It doesn't mean that rich people don't enter or powerful people don't enter because by God's grace, some of them do. But they don't enter as the rich. They don't enter as the powerful. They enter like everyone else, as little children. And as we come to this last text, we have a nice bookend to this series of stories because here we have another positive example. We might say that we are instructed here to enter the kingdom as a child and also as a blind man. You see the pattern here. The children and the blind provide the way. They show us the way to enter the kingdom. The rich and the powerful, they show us the way not to. Counter to our our conventional wisdom, our way that we are tempted to think. You think about the rich man and, and uh, James and John. These people are privileged, either because of their wealth or because of their proximity to Jesus. These people take the initiative. You notice how they run up to Jesus. These people have ideas of their own. They all want to present questions or requests to Jesus. They have their own agendas to, to, to express to him. But you notice how blind Bartimaeus, things are different in all these respects with him. He's not a person of privilege. In fact, he's about as low as you can get on the social scale. He doesn't approach Jesus. Jesus approaches him. He doesn't have an agenda that he makes presents before Jesus. You notice what blind Bartimaeus says when he hears that Jesus is approaching him. He doesn't have ideas about how he might be able to, things he might do to enter the kingdom. He certainly doesn't want a position of power to lord it over others. All that Bartimaeus says to Jesus is, have mercy upon me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Bartimaeus knows his need. He knows that he has nothing to bring. 
but he seeks mercy from the Lord Jesus. And Jesus hears him, and Jesus answers him. And Jesus says to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. If we want to enter the kingdom, we must enter as a child, and we must enter as a blind man. And I hope you see how these two ideas fit together so well. To enter the kingdom as a blind man means we are brought by another, means we are brought by the grace of Christ, that Christ has done it all for us. And to come as a blind man here means that we come by faith. We come recognizing that we have nothing to do except to ask Jesus for mercy and to trust that he provides for those who call out to him in their day of trouble. It's precisely because Jesus has done everything for us, that he has brought us by his grace, that there is nothing that we can contribute, nothing that we can add except to believe, except to trust in what Jesus, the one who has mercy to sinners, will do for those who cry out to him. And so, brothers and sisters, I leave you here with the series of texts in Mark 10. And I encourage you and encourage us all to remember who we are. That if you have entered the kingdom, you have entered as a child, you have entered as a blind man. And so do not think that what is yours is at your disposal. Do not think that you are in a place to seek power and lordship over others. Devote yourself to the service of God and the service of his people. And remember that we belong in God's kingdom wholly because of his grace. May we continue to look to the son of David and find in him and him alone the source of mercy and salvation. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for these texts in the Gospel of Mark that remind us who we are as we come before you and as we seek to enter and to live in your kingdom. Father, we confess to you that we have nothing to bring, that we have nothing to claim as our own that we have no credentials and no resources that we can impress you with, none that you need. And so we come as a child, and as a blind man, we cry out to you for mercy, asking that you forgive our many sins, asking that you see us when we cannot see, and that you help us when we cannot help ourselves. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would give us a spirit of humility. We ask that we would not think of all those many gifts you have given to us as those that we use for our own enjoyment, for our own advancement, but we put them all at your disposal. O oh Lord, may we put all of our skills, our abilities, our time, our energy, our resources. We pray that we would put them in your service. For as we remember the Son of Man and how he put himself at our service when we were nothing, we ask that we would 
be faithful servants. May we serve you eagerly, joyfully. And in serving you, may we serve one another. Not lording it over one another, but considering others better than ourselves. Rejoicing in how we can bring blessing to those around. Thank you, O Lord, for hearing our prayer. Thank you for the sanctification of your spirit. We ask this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Copyright 2017, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.